Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind our favorite games. On today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the game Joking Hazard. Joking Hazard is a comic strip building card game designed by the creators of the webcomic Cyanide and Happiness, and self-published with the help of Kickstarter in 2016. Joking Hazard is for 3 to 10 players, and a typical game takes 30 to 60 minutes to play. The theme of today's episode is the history of comic strips. Enjoy the episode! Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Mike Riemann. And I'm Spencer Campbell. And this is Beyond the Board. And this week we're talking about the game... Joking Hazard. Joking Hazard is a pretty fun game, Mike. It is a fun game, but uh, if it's very not safe for work. Very not safe for work games. Uh, don't worry, we're not going to be reading, reading off a lot of these cards. Um but continuing on our tradition of last week, uh, we're talking about another card party game. Yeah, time. exactly. Uh, and this is also a game that was produced uh, with the help of Kickstarter as well. Yeah. Um, but this game already is produced, and it was actually raised like $3 million. Yeah. It's one of those record-breaking ones. There's a reason for that. This is this was created by the gents who write the webcomic Cyanide and Happiness. Which is also another not-safe-for-work Yes, very not safe for work, but it's very popular, very funny. I, I like Cyanide and Happ- mm-hmm. Happiness a lot. So uh, they kind of gathered together and decided to make a board game out of some of their earlier projects. They made a random comic generator, which I think kind of largely inspired how this game is designed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, let's talk about it. What, what is this game? It's a party game. We've decided that much. Yeah, so uh, in the same vein as Apples to Apples or Competition Kitchen or right. uh, Cards Against Humanity, which also Competition Kitchen is officially funded. So yeah, uh, congratulations, congratulations to them. Uh, but it's in, in a similar vein. You have a judge. You have all the people presenting cards um, in order to to win. And in this one specifically, you're creating a comic. Uh, the judge will place down two cards. And then everyone else will put down a punchline. Yeah, it's interesting. So each card, uh, rather than being a single word or a phrase, like we see in a lot of those card games like Cards Against Humanity or Apples to Apples, they're actually single panels from what will ultimately be a three-panel comic strip. And so the top card is just flipped. The judge decides to put down another card to kind of continue or start the story. And we all, as players, have to think, what is going to be the funniest way to end this strip? And it's it's a really... it's a it's, a, again, a simple idea with those party games, but it's so funny when you're building this strip together. Yeah, and of course, things aren't politically correct. They're not PC. They're, they they range from all sorts of uh, <laughs> not really tasteful things. So if you're playing this with your family, make sure that your family is, is either, I guess, accepting of this or... Just not grandma. <laughs> yeah, there are those there are those families who are totally cool with letting it all out, sort of thing. But, yeah. uh, if but if this, you're not a cool family, <laughs> if this is Thanksgiving dinner and you've got family who you haven't seen in years coming in from out of town, Joking Hazard is the game that you play later in the night after you've all had plenty of drinks uh, and maybe and, loosened up a little. Exactly, and the the older sticklers uh, went to bed. Exactly. But yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a fairly simplified game. Um, there's different ways you can play it that they have in the rules, but uh, but ultimately it's just a a funny game, and and it's always going to be different, no matter even if you get the same cards, it's always going to be different because they always they do they do a pretty good job at matching it up to where you can use this card vaguely in a mm-hmm. bunch of different situations. Yeah, and also you could have three cards, the same three cards that you had from before, and put them in a different order, and it's a very different comic at mm-hmm. that point in time. So it really does have fantastic replay value, yeah. and I think at this point in time. 
they have tons of expansions and things like that. I know you backed the Kickstarter version that came with all the extra doodads and like super amount, like a super amount of cards and everything. But mm-hmm. I think at this point in time, you can go and get those things individually now. Yeah, and you can also get it at Target. Yeah, that's where is, I bought it. Yeah, which is really easy to get. Um, but yeah, great game, awesome, uh, awesome party game to definitely. Uh, sit around and play with your friends, especially if you're sick of Cards Against Humanity, uh, because a lot of the times you do play it a lot, and you're like, okay, well, let's play a different game, yeah. uh, and you can always come back to it, but yeah, it's um, it's a lot of fun. It's very fun. Um, so, in that vein, what uh, what are we going to be talking about this week? Well, this week we're going to be talking about comic strips. We're, we're building comic strips, short little three-panel strips and joking hazards, so we thought, why not actually look into the history of comic strips as a medium? And it's important to note that we're talking about comic strips here, not comic books. So that's a that's a whole different thing. Graphic novels. Graphic novels. We'll talk a little <laughs> bit about that, too. But yeah, we're going to talk about the history of comic strips, both in the printed medium and then ultimately a little bit into the web comics, which is where Cyanide and Happiness and Joking Hazard all kind of came from. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess starting off, what is a comic strip? So... A comic strip, it's its interesting because there's a lot of different ways that people describe a comic strip. And, like, because there are so many different types of comic strips, it's hard to make a generalized description of it. But essentially, it's, it's a sequential art in which there are drawings that are, like, related to one another, these panels. And then there is typically some sort of story or narrative uh, going on. Sometimes it's supplemented with, like, text balloons to show the characters speaking to one another. But yeah, it's a it's a interrelated set of panels that tell a very brief story. Oftentimes it's kind of the setup for a punchline if it's a humorous comic. There are some that are not as humorous and we'll talk about that. But I that's I think that's generally how a comic strip is described. Is there anything else you would add or No. Um I mean other than the fact that they've been doing it for a really long time. It's not yeah. just the normal comic strips you see nowadays. A lot of people will say, Well, they originally started back in the the 19th century, or, or not the, the early Middle Ages, rather. Uh, the first strip was in the 19th century. But, like, they're they're thinking about tapestries that yeah. actually told a story using the series of images. Um, not necessarily panels, per se. Right, usually, like, it's a continuous scene at yeah, that point in time. exactly. So, in the Middle Ages, they, they had those, usually to tell events that happened at the time, not so much... Uh, fictional stories. Yeah, it's oftentimes uh, like a retelling of an important historical event uh, or, you know, to supplement the oral storytelling or the the, the the very scarce written resources that were used at the time. So I guess technically you could go back to cave paintings. I mean, you could if, if, you really the, think if the cave it. paintings are sequential in a sense and mm-hmm. then they're meant to... Sh- to depict like a short story, then I this guess this is us with our spear. This is us using our spear. This is us enjoying the buffalo. Yeah, <laughs> and so we we see this idea of using sequential art or sequential stories to tell stories. I mean, going back hundreds and hundreds of years, like you said, we see it in block printing in Asia. We see it in the kind of tapestry work in the Middle Ages. But like you said, that's a little bit different than what we're talking about today because we're talking about this idea of these these panels that are kind of telling one like one part of the story after another. Mm-hmm. And so the first comic strip that is accredited to being the first comic strip was a, a appeared in the late 19th century and it was called The Yellow Kid. Um, and it's accredited as it, but it was about this it was about like a a group of kids, mm-hmm. but it followed this one 
kid who lived in the slums and he was this little poor bald kid and he had a little snaggle tooth and he wore a yellow nightshirt that in the story belonged to his older sister and yeah. it always had something written on it kind of political <laughs> yeah the the older comics generally had a a little bit of a darker tone to them uh, oftentimes used to impart like a, a moral belief or a lesson learned, and we'll talk a little bit about that, especially when the Germans come into play. Uh-huh. But yeah, those those earlier stuff were really influenced by the politics and culture of the time, which was not so focused on making witty banter between little kids and their parents and how, oh, they think things so differently. <laughs> Like baby blues, for instance. <laughs> no, it's more just uh, it's more like a reflection on what's going on yeah. at the time, and and showing a different avenue, or or even people can laugh at that because of their cartoons. Like they see the poor it kids, helps. and that they they almost laugh at it. And it's kind of it's really kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, comic strips they're typically at least the ones that you'll see mostly printed in the newspapers are humorous. Yeah. They're usually there to it's a it's a short punchline essentially, exactly like joking hazard. You have a couple panels leading up to it and then bam, some funny thing happens or some some quick joke hits the hits the page. But there are some out there that actually have like an ongoing like a very long ongoing narrative sort of thing or they're darker or more dramatic. Yeah, like Dick Tracy, uh, which you you pointed out uh, earlier, but yeah, or not in the podcast, but yeah, Dick Tracy is a good example of that. It's a film noir kind of detective-esque panel that would go on, I mean, it's been going on since 1931 is when it started, and it's, yeah, it's really dark, and it's all about crime and and detective work. Yeah, I remember Dick Tracy being in the comics when I was, because I used to read the comics every day as a kid. Back in the 1930s. Back in the 1930s. (laughs) And I remember Dick Tracy just totally standing out compared to the other strips on the page, because it had this very dark tone, and also, if you jumped in in the middle of a story, you had no idea what was going on, as opposed to... If I flipped over to, like, Zits or Baby Blues or anything like that, like, oh, I see. It's a, just a quick joke sort of thing. I don't need to really know the backstory of all these characters. I think we, because Dick Tracy was in a couple of the, the comics, like the Sunday comics that I saw or just mm-hmm. in general. But I think the one that stood out for me was Rex Morgan, M.D. Do you remember that one? No, I don't remember this one. It was I basi- you wrote it down, though. <laughs> it was basically a doctor drama. and, and <laughs> Like and a Grey's Anatomy before Grey's sort Anatomy. Sort of, but it was like that dark shaded where you got like the half of the face and sure. like, I can't believe you, Margaret. And, uh, and <laughs> that one's been on since the, the 19, 1940s. And I just remember going from reading, like, like you were saying, uh, Zitz and Calvin and Hobbes mm-hmm. and all those other ones, and then, like, peeking into this one, like, what's going on in the adult world? And I never followed, obviously, the sure. story, because you have these four-panel strips throughout the, the normal weekday, and right. then on the Sundays when you had the big thing, but you, I wouldn't have no idea what's going on. Right. I don't understand adult themes when I'm a kid. But, yeah. Uh, it's it's because of this whole, like, there are the dark ones or the serious ones, and then largely the, the humorous ones that... Some people are actually pushing or have pushed for a change in the name of it. So we're, we're, we're going to use the blanket term comic strip for now, but some people have pushed to use something like sequential art as the name for it instead because comic strip, the comic in comic strip implies some sort of comedic element or some sort of lightheartedness to it. And so 
that when you have Dick Tracy in the middle of like uh, chasing a uh, a perp down a dark dank alleyway, you're like, I don't think it's this is very hilarious. funny. It's <laughs> This it was actually Will Eisner who is who who pushed for the name of sequential art instead, and. I mean, I guess he knew what he was talking about because he's the one who popularized the term graphic novel. Yeah. So he he was a writer a long time ago and made these sorts of what we now call graphic novels and pushed for that new name instead of calling them comic books. Yeah, because it's not always a lighthearted adventure because sometimes you can have these really, really deep... um, I mean, with comic books, you can have these really deep themes like... um, What's that? Fun Home. Have you ever read Fun Home? No. Uh, they made a musical out of it. But uh, Fun Home was one of those ones. It's it's all about uh, Alison Bechtel's life and and her father who committed or committed suicide and all these other things. It's really dark. But yeah, definitely not comic. Um, but I, I don't think I can get into the idea of sequential art. No. That, that it, word, it just doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't roll off the tongue. And also, I think then it starts to umbrella into that tapestry work that we mm-hmm. talked about earlier and the block printing and things like that, which I think are still a distinctly different like medium at that point in time than what the comic strip is. Yeah, I feel like you can call them like story strips. I would be fine with that. <laughs> I need to write a graphic gonna, novel so I can start coin that, that today. Term. We're going to start moving so, that around. So in our story strips, uh, <laughs> you can see them everywhere. You can see them in magazines. You can see them in newspapers. You can see them, um, I mean, in in collections now. Yeah. If you if you still get the newspaper, there probably is. Yeah, did you read your newspaper this morning? I. You know what? I didn't. <laughs> I, I did not. Um, that that's the thing is. I don't get a newspaper anymore, so I don't have access to the strips that maybe I used to read, but I read tons of web comics, and we'll talk about web comics later on. But yeah, you I remember as a kid, that was the thing. I'd tear I would be fine with going outside to get the newspaper because <laughs> I knew I was gonna be reading the comic strip soon with my bowl of frosted flakes. It was it's, gonna be great. It's funny you say that my dad actually used to do that when he was kid when they were kids, my granddad and my dad's from a family of 12, so it was always a big thing. But if you got up early enough with granddad and you went out and got the paper, you got to read the comics first. Nice. And my dad would always do it, but my bro- his brothers and sisters would get mad at him because he couldn't read at the time. <laughs> so he would just get it and look at the pictures. I'm like, you can't even read. And it's like, well, he went up and got the paper. He did get the paper, he though. He got the paper, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that's where I was first exposed to them was in the newspaper. But like you said, there's also these sorts of collections and anthologies too nowadays that and back back in the day. Sure, but uh, they did all usually come from newspapers. From their time in the newspapers. Exactly. exactly. Uh, or in uh, magazines like you mentioned, and especially over in like Europe for instance, you'll you'll actually get like longer sequenced comic strips in magazines over there. Mm-hmm. But so let's let's talk a little bit more about the history of comic strips in terms of like we we mentioned the Yellow Kid as like the first one, but what are some of the other like important events in the the sequence of the comic strip <laughs> of the story strip here? We, so yeah, so uh, there was a Swiss a Swiss Swiss author Swiss, Swiss, Swiss author Swiss author, author mm-hmm. Swiss author by uh, by the name of Rudolf Topfer. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, and he's considered the father of comic strips, and he was the one who who first started putting them in panels because mm-hmm. they had like satirical comics 
I guess you could say, and they were just generally like one big scene that was right. happening at a time. And you could probably you probably have seen it in your history books, and you've seen those those political cartoons. Yeah, basically. I mean, even like in what you see in like the New Yorker now, exactly that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, so he was the one who actually took them and started making a sequ- a sequential art mm-hmm. a story strip. <laughs> yeah, and he, his stuff started getting published in the U.S. in about the 1840s. Mm-hmm. And once his stuff started getting published, it then kind of inspired the next generation of cartoonists or artists to start, oh, this is a thing that we can do? And then, like, it started to explode from there. There was a... There was a we mentioned earlier the, the Germans, and there, there was a man named Wilhelm Busch uh, who started writing a comic called Max and Moritz. This was a... It was a limited series, too. It, it was about these two boys who would basically prank and, yeah, prank all these people in the town. Yeah, they were troublemakers. Yeah. Scamps. Did you, did you get to read the comics? No, I didn't get a chance to read any of oh, them. Oh, uh, so I, I read the basic, like, rundown of all the different things, and there were seven different pranks that they that <laughs> okay. they uh, committed. And it was everything from, uh, like, stealing the, the chicken from the old widow's house, and the dog was barking, and then she thought it was the dog, so she beat the dog, and they sure. got to eat the chicken. There was there was one where they, they sawed the bridge... Uh, a little bit, so when the the tailor would come out, it it broke the bridge, and he would he almost drowned down the river. <laughs> uh, the Good one pranks. where they put gunpowder in the one guy's pipe, and it blew up in his face, and didn't die. But then, I think it was it was the baker. They went to the baker, and they were eating his dough, and he caught them, so he wrapped them in dough and was about to put them in the oven, and they ate their way out. <laughs> and then the final strip. They're in a grain mill, and they're they're hiding from the farmer, mm-hmm. and the farmer realizes that they're there, so he takes the boys and shoves them in a bag, then throws them in the grinder, and then feeds them to the ducks. <laughs> yeah. It got really dark really quick. Like, the, the early pranks are, you know, it reminds me of nowadays when you see those YouTube pranks, and I say Ugh. pranks in quotes because it's really just people like hurting or, like, really messing with people sort of thing. Yeah, it's not and Dennis the Menace. It's <laughs> No, like, they're cruel pranks. But then being a German, uh, or, or you know, art form, it very much reminiscent of the Grimm Brothers in terms of the fairy tales where eventually these, unlike the YouTube series, these are a moral lesson that are meant to be <laughs> passed on to the kids in terms of, like, if you act like this, if you do these terrible things, you'll eventually get yours by being fed to the dogs. <laughs> so terrifying is what it was. Yeah, so it was very, very German. <laughs> That's so German. So those were some of the earlier, you know, earlier instances of comics and some of the the ones that got things going. Mm-hmm. And then it really kind of boomed in the U.S., actually with the the newspaper war. Have you ever heard of the newspaper war before? Uh, no, I don't think I was familiar with it's it. It's interesting. We won't we go... We find a newspaper game to talk about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's, it's an interesting topic. We won't dive into it. But basically, there was... Newspapers used to be very politically driven and, like, funded and everything like that. And so there was a rise of independent papers that tried to come about. And that's when you started to get the term, like, yellow journalism and things like that thrown around. And so these newspapers were trying to... These independent papers were trying to get themselves as big and popular as they could to try and just destroy one another. And that's where you got the comics, because the comic strips would start to be incorporated into these newspapers, and that would draw more subscribers at that point in time. Uh, that You just mentioned that, and it reminded me, I read 
that the yellow kid was actually the reason they call it yellow journalism. Oh, really? Yeah, because they would, he would have things written on his nightshirt mm-hmm. that would basically bash another political party, there and it'd go. be like a walking billboard. And so that's why they called it yellow jur- journalism, because of a comic strip. That's so fascinating. <laughs> I didn't realize that. So, yeah, it, this this newspaper war then kind of exploded the the newspaper industry in general in the United States, and then on top of that, the comics kind of got to go along for the ride because they were a great way to drive more people to buy your newspaper because suddenly there was this brand new sort of form of entertainment that you could have on a regular basis along with your news for the day. So uh, it, it really kind of exploded from there. We have some, like, interesting facts in terms of, like, firsts or other things like that. So the first American comic was a thing called The Little Bears. I didn't read much about The Little Bears. But it started in 1893, and this was the first American comic that had like recurring characters to it. So you mentioned the idea earlier of how there were these comics that were like maybe single panel or satirical in nature, and so they didn't really necessarily have recurring characters. I mean, they might have been satire of like a political figure, but that's not really a character in this in the same sense as what we're talking about with these fictionally created characters. So we, we start to see in the U.S., because the Germans and the Swiss were already way ahead of us <laughs> on this one, the first sort of sequential character and recurring characters in this comic called The Little Bears. The Little Bears. That's right. Yeah, and the um, the first, uh, another fun fact, well, the first uh, Color Sunday page was in 1897. So the idea, and, and if you're familiar with newspapers at all, Throughout the week, you get small little strips, and then on Sunday, you get a bigger strip. Sometimes they were full pages. Yeah. Um, I, I know I played the game uh, Little Nemo in Slumberland. You ever played? It was an no. old NES game okay. that I played a long time ago. But only later did I find out what the the inspiration was for this full colored page, and you can find like full. Uh, uh, collections of them and they were gigantic and they were beautiful but it was all about this little kid who would go into the slumberland and he would have adventures in slumberland yeah it was great I mean I do distinctly remember the the Sunday comics being the day because it's you know I think you know we read the Tribune when I was a kid and it would be like one side of a sheet and then like eventually it was like two shot two sides of one Mm -hmm. sheet of newspaper had it and then the Sunday was just page after page with these colorful comic section yeah yeah there was was actually a comic section yeah there was arts there was entertainment there was sports and then there were comics yeah Yeah. it was great um so yeah we started to see the first like Sunday page in 1897 like you said and then in 1912 we saw the first like full page like we described that was devoted to comics Mm -hmm. where it said like this is the daily comic page. Expect to see this on a regular basis sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and these things erupted from that newspaper war. This was, again, just an artifact of these newspapers doing their best to try and outsell one another. So it's like, all right, well, we have an ongoing story. Oh, yeah, well, we have a color strip over here. Oh, yeah, well, we just had a whole page for it then. What do you think about that? And it just kept going, oh, you know, they kept upping the ante until we got to, well, where we are today. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and it's interesting you say that because there are, I know it's the first color page was, the full, full daily comic page was in 1912, mm-hmm. but you have these comics that have been going on way before that. Yeah. Yeah, one that just, I guess just ended, but like seven years ago um, stopped, and that was Little Orphan Annie, which started in 1924. And there are ones that are older than that, like 
Blondie started in 1930, which was an older, but then you have uh, the Kotzenjammer Kids, which was in 1897, which is still going, yeah. and it basically translates to the Captain and the Kids. Popeye. Yeah. You got Popeye who started in 1919 mm-hmm. at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that Ripley's Believe It or Not was a comic strip before I think it, was it was everything that we know it is today. Yeah, because it, it was just like a... It wasn't even a strip. A lot of times it'd just be like one panel, but with a bunch of information mm-hmm. on it, and then it would have a colorful image Depiction, of um, whatever they were talking sure. about. So not quite in the it's not quite the sequential panel art that mm-hmm. we were talking about before. No, but it was still a colored comic, right. quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, so there are a lot of these that have been kind of ongoings for. Decades and decades yeah. and decades, 1930s and earlier, that are still going on. I think you have you have it listed here that there are six of them. It's pretty crazy that that's possible. And I guess we should mention how that's possible, because someone who was writing the strip in the 1930s, probably not around today. He's just to, really old. Just dedicated <laughs> really to the old cause. guy. Um, he got his beard wrapped up in his pencil <laughs> as he's drawing. You have, a, you have a really cool thing here about zombie strips then. So what's, what's a zombie strip and how does this relate to these seemingly ageless, immortal comics? Yeah, so a zombie strip is basically a comic strip that was written and then the person died and they gave permission to someone else to continue writing it. Uh, whether it be the the publishing company who actually, or like uh, the the newspaper who actually finds somebody else to write it, or like for example, Hagar the Horrible, if you remember that one, mm-hmm. the little but the Viking, his son took over and started drawing the strips for him as mm-hmm. well, and so that was almost like a that that was it's almost like this nice little monarchy of sure. <laughs> of certain strips, but well, then they're oh sorry, well I was about to say that reminds me of things like. Tolkien's work and and the Dune series where Frank Herbert and J.R.R. Tolkien their future books like Unfinished Tales and Silmarillion and then like a lot of the Dune series were continued on by their direct relatives as like they took all of the notes that the original authors had and like talked to them a lot and then just tried to pick up the story as best they could from that point on. It's probably going to happen with Game of Thrones. <laughs> I, does he have kids? No, he's just probably going to die. Oh, man, that's a bummer. <laughs> Poor guy. But HBO already knows the ending, I think. Yeah, that's, that's true. They... He's, he, I think he's specifically gone out and told them how it needs to end. Well, I think case... they begged him right. <laughs> to tell us just in case he dies. He doesn't live the healthiest life. Uh, but yeah, so so comic books are comics like Hacker the Horrible, and then Garfield was an interesting one because a company actually took it over, and Jim Davis gave permission that a small team would actually start writing for Garfield. Um, and then Peanuts by Charles Schulz was another one that actually Charles Schulz specifically said, "I do not want anybody to write." after I'm dead. And it was more of a request because I think once they're dead legally, I think it goes to a certain person. But that's why you don't see any more Charles Schultz. I can't remember when, like, Peanuts actually stopped making new strips, but I do distinctly remember as a kid reading that it would say Peanuts and then it was something afterwards in parentheses that said, like, reprint or something like that to indicate that this is... This is no longer new material. Yeah. We're just we're we're gonna keep giving you peanuts, but we're gonna recycle the stuff that had come from decades before. Do we know when it when it ended? I don't recall off the top of my head when mm. it ended, but uh, that'd be an interesting thing to look at because I do distinctly remember that as a kid, the the parentheses being added after peanuts. Mm-hmm. Now, with saying that, like Garfield was taken by a company and written by a small team, mm-hmm. that that's also to say that 
that comics were actually syndicated. Yeah. Yeah, and so what that means is that one strip could be produced by many different newspapers. Yeah, you, you'd have an artist who writes out, produces the strip, hands it over to the syndication company who sends it off to a whole network of newspapers and says, you all have access to this, you all will print this today sort of thing, and then the artist gets paid based off of how many newspapers it's distributed mm-hmm. to. And I think I noticed that growing up because, like, Dad would always get a newspaper and it would be like the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. And then another week he would get the New York Times. And it would actually have different comic strips. I think that's why I never saw Dick Tracy as much as you did. Yeah, I saw exactly. Rex Morgan, MD. Right. And I, that's, <laughs> that would explain why I've never seen that one. Mm-hmm. But I've saw Dick Tracy all the time. Which makes sense because they probably are like, okay, well, we only want one kind of serious right. one in here. And we don't necessarily want to do Dick Tracy because it's been overdone. Let's throw in Rex Morgan. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm actually really curious about the like, the comic strip selection process in the newspaper, that'd be really interesting to pick someone's brain about, of, like, how do you decide, ultimately, what the, you know, 12 or so strips that are going to fit on your page, how did you, how did you, you know, you know, do, did you do customer testing with yeah. it? Like, I'm, re- I'm, I'm really curious how they pick the, the ones that they have right now. That made me just, uh, it just reminded me, that in high school, uh, my buddy Jordan, he, uh, he wrote a single, usually a single uh, panel, mm-hmm cartoon for our local journal now that I think about yeah. it and it was just like hey do you want to do this and they wouldn't pay him <laughs> sure. just, just send in just something yeah um, yeah it just made me think about that so those are <laughs> that's that's kind of the history of comic strips as the printed medium that we know it today but joking hazard while these cards are printed now originated from a web comic mm-hmm. we've mentioned it before cyanide and happiness Spencer what's a web comic <laughs> so Web comics are pretty much exactly what a printed comic is, but now you're accessing it online. So it still is very much this idea of sequential panels of art that are depicting a story. It could be serious, it could be humorous, and it's usually supplemented with captions and text bubbles and things like that. So it's we're talking the exact same thing as a printed comic strip, but now you're just looking at it on your phone or your computer screen as opposed to having it printed on the page. Yeah, and you're also not looking at artists and comic strip writers from from the same ones as the newspapers. Like, you're not seeing Peanuts online. You're not seeing, uh, uh, was it the was it Wizard of Id? Yeah. Is that that one? You're not yeah. seeing Brunhilde online because <laughs> those are all still making money through the, the, syndication, through the syndication, and that's where they get their money. But you're seeing all these new artists, and they generally stick to this format of the, the strips, the strips, the strips. And then occasionally, I know a couple that I've read, on a Sunday, they have a full page, and they try to stick to sure. that same format. And that's also for them to release books, because they do release actual yeah. collections from web comics, this so is, you can physically get it. Yeah, this is basically just a new way for new or younger artists, and some older artists who just want to get into it, but new comic writers to spread their material probably a lot faster than you can in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to build a following in in a webcomic series, like you have to actually get people looking at your page in the first place in order for it to spread. But once that gets started, the domino effect is just outrageous. Mm-hmm. And a lot, a lot of the times they'll be on networks to where they'll have like a comic book network and it'll be like, hey, if you like yeah. this, check out my buddy's comic. Check out this comic. Because it's usually just one person producing it. Yeah. So it actually kind of started in the 80s and 90s, basically, where at the very beginning it was it was essentially reprints of the sorts of things that you saw in college newspapers and things like that as a means of just distributing it even further. 
but it was in the 90s where people started to realize, oh, I can just go and make a comic and put it online, and that's when you started to see this rise of people intentionally creating content purely to go on the internet, not to be sold to a newspaper, but just to, to put on a website sort mm-hmm. of thing. And they, they stick to the structure of what a comic strip is for the most part, but they can do anything. I, I There's a couple of them that are basically comic books, yeah. and you it comes out with a full, like, page mm-hmm. instead of just a single strip and it's this ongoing narrative and sometimes it's funny sometimes it's it's kind of serious but it's always unique really yeah that's the thing with the newspaper syndication is that the newspaper dictates how much space that you have and mm-hmm. the syndication dictates how much space you have for your panels and that space has been getting smaller and smaller over time too as they begin to you know fill it up to full pages of strips they want multiple strips they don't want just one thing that fills a whole page but if it's your website, if it's your webcomic, you can kind of do whatever you want at that point in time, which is why you get vastly different styles out of these webcomics, too, in terms of how they're drawn, in terms of some people just use clip art that they will just rotate on an axis, <laughs> uh, as it means. Some people will draw these beautiful scenes. It's 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 all over the place, but it, you'll find you'll absolutely find a comic that you like online at this point in time. Uh, it's funny that... that like they don't have actual limitations to how much space they can take up, but they still stick yeah. to that same like format of panel, panel, panel for the most part. Um, and sometimes they have full scenes and they'll take off the panels, but it's still basically a comic. I mean, just like just like in Joking Hazard, it'll always be panel, 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 right? Three next to each other. You'll you'll generally have that in your web comics, and I think mainly it's two sell printed media so if they want to make a collection they they can and and ultimately it is to make money and another way they can make money is advertising on their website yeah i mean and it's, it's familiar to people too if you grew up mm-hmm. reading comic strips in the newspaper then it's easy for you to transition into reading web comics but you know like like i used to as a kid read the daily comic page i have a whole host of comics that i go through on a daily basis or I know when they're regularly updated, and I go check on them as if it was my morning comic strip routine where I read them and I go, all right, what's the SMBC today? You know, XKCD, when that updates on, like, I think it's Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, like, I go and I check those pages. Or what's the cyanide and happiness? And they usually the... come up with them, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but, yeah, like, the way they would make money would be, like I said before, the the advertising on there. Or now they have something which is getting really popular is called Patreon. Yeah. And Those pa- sorts of like crowdsourcing things like that. Yeah, and the way if you don't know a Patreon works, it's basically you can you pay an artist. Generally, it's artists, but um, you pay somebody money like a monthly thing to be like, hey, I want you to continue to do this. I want to help support your art so I can see it. It's almost like a subscription, but you kind of name your price, yeah. and you get sometimes extra stuff for for helping out. I mean, it goes back to the days of the patron and the artist, mm-hmm. where some noble would have tons of cash and so they would just make sure that a particular artist that they liked had funding and just said keep doing your art keep making your art you know give me the art but <laughs> here's you will live like you will survive off of this sort of thing and so the, the there is no single patron now it is now the network of people who are all interested in this artist have the ability to support them on an in an ongoing way which yeah. is really really cool yeah it's very cool but um, but yeah, that's pretty much uh, web comics and comics right now. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if you have anything. No, that's know. all I got. Uh, yeah. So joking hazard, a uh, lot of fun. 
especially if you're not necessarily uh, politically correct and you like a little bit of darker humor mm-hmm. or just out there humor. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Good, great game to play with a bunch of friends. Great two-player variant, too, if you ever want to just create the continuous story that yeah, never ends. Cool. That one's a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, if you don't got anything else. and That's all I got. Well, I don't got anything else. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or you want to share your favorite uh, comic growing up, because I know we both had our favorite comics. Actually, what is your favorite comic? Mine is Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. I learned how to. I literally learned how to read off of Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> My mom loved it. She had a bunch of the anthologies. Tried hooked on phonics. That wasn't hitting. Read <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes. That that worked a lot better. Which is funny because they're very kind of like really philosophical. They're, yeah, and there's some hard words <laughs> that this five year old is yeah. coming up with. Uh, I would have to agree. I think Calvin Hobbes is probably my favorite growing yeah. up, and I, I know I have collections. You mentioned you have like a leather bound. Yeah, I got like the actual hardcover full collection of everything covered it's, in it's gold. Gorgeous. Or yeah, <laughs> something oh. like that gold ink for everything. <laughs> Written in blood. Um, but yeah, so that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I was wondering what yours is. Yeah, but if you have your favorite comic, go ahead and shoot us an email at beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com and and if you shoot us an email, maybe we'll read it on the air. Hey, who knows? Hey, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Only one way to find <laughs> Only out. Only one way to find out. Uh, also, if you want to see what we're doing or if you want little hints, maybe teasers to uh, our later episodes or our next episodes, uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at mm-hmm. GoingBTB. That's GoingBTB for Going Beyond the Board. Or BTB for Blondies Today. Uh, Big Dagwoods. Uh, I added a D on there, but it works. <laughs> if you ever read the We got there. Yeah, we got there. <laughs> and so now we'll, uh, to close you off, we'll read a random card from the Joking Hazard box. All right. Nope, can't read that one. Nope, can't read that one. Uh, nope, not that one either. Nope. Uh, nope. Can't read that one. Definitely can't read that one. Nope, can't read that one.